Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. Greetings to all of you. I want to take this time to wish you all a happy and Christ-centered New Year. You know, my prayer for us uh, as a congregation this year is that we will draw closer to the heart of Jesus. For when we draw closer to the heart of Jesus, we hear His heartbeat. And my prayer for us as a church for this year is this year will be an amazing year of kingdom impact as we commit ourselves to the task of making disciples. I want to take this time to welcome those who are watching from our various regionals, the Crawford Theatres in Northwest Calgary, our regionals in Bridgeland, Airdrie, and South Calgary. also want to say hello to our online audience as well. The world has just come out of a tumultuous year. It's been a year of uh, human heartaches and tragedies. In 2015, we saw the ugly face of terrorism like never before. Then there were earthquakes in Nepal that caused a huge destruction and several other natural disasters in different parts of the world. Then we had this appalling refugee crisis with thousands of people fleeing their home countries and seeking for asylum. Then the Oil prices went down, resulting in an economic downturn and several people losing jobs. You know, as we enter into the new year, many hearts are wondering, how is this year going to be like? What does 2016 hold for us? Is this going to be a promising year or is this downward spiral just going to continue? Well, let's be honest, we are looking at a number of uncertainties. Who will be the next U.S. president? Will the Canadian economy improve this year? Will this be the year of the demise of ISIS? Or is terrorism going to continue its rear its ugly head and cause havoc? Are we going to see more natural disasters and climate changes globally? No, the more I hear experts and brilliant minds of our time making predictions for this year, there seems to be such negativity and pessimism. Meteorologists in China use an arsenal of uh, rockets, artillery, and aircraft to blast the clouds and convert a, a rainy, dark, stormy day into a sunny one. So when they had the Beijing Summer Olympics, the skies were picture perfect because of that reason. 
A cloudy day can be turned into a sunny one through science. You know, if only we have the ability to modify the year like we can modify the weather. That rainy, dark, stormy spells of life can be dispelled with, and it'll be bright and sunny and happy all year long. Well, that's wishful thinking, isn't it? We certainly don't have the power nor the prerogative to make such things happen. But what I'm going to share with you today is even better news. Of all people in the world, followers of Jesus Christ should be the best prepared for what the new year brings. We can enter into this new year with incredible confidence because we have a mighty Savior by our side. Isaac Watts, the great hymn writer, put it this way when he wrote, O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. Under the shadow of thy throne still may we dwell secure. Sufficient is thine arm alone, and our defense is sure. What a great blessing it is to be part of God's family that we can make such bold declarations of faith. We don't have to crouch in fear. We don't have to keep our fingers crossed over what the year holds because our hope is in the Lord who holds the year. And Jesus, he's seated on the throne. He reigns from on high. He is our help in ages past and our hope for years to come. In this mini-series called Mighty Savior, we have looked at the saving power of Jesus. In the last three sermons I preached, we saw how Jesus is more powerful than Satan, more powerful than sickness and death, and how the name of Jesus is the name above all names. I want to finish the series with this fourth and final message. And I pray that our hearts will abound in hope even in the midst of the uncertainties. If you missed any of the sermons in this series, I want to encourage you to catch up online or you can order a set of DVDs from Appleseed. This morning, I'm going to ask you to stand as we read from God's Word together from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Shall we ask God to speak to us today? Father, in the midst of the chaos and the confusion 
and the storms of life. You have given us the gift of a mighty Savior. We thank you that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. I pray today, Lord, that we will experience that authority, that the storms that are raging inside our hearts will be stilled as we come to see you face to face. As we recognize your power, may our faith be built up and let hope arise within us to face every challenge this new year has to bring. So we commit this time to the leading of your spirit. Minister to us, O Lord. We pray this in the mighty and matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. In his book, Jesus and Eyewitnesses, Bible scholar Richard Baucam examines the characteristics of eyewitness memory. He says one of the marks of an eyewitness account is irrelevant detail. Unlike a fictional story, an eyewitness account details things simply because the person remembers it. Mark is going to write about a glorious spectacle. Jesus is going to calm a storm and prove that he has power over the forces of nature. But he includes small details which don't really contribute to the narrative, but merely confirms the fact that it is an eyewitness account. You can see things in our passage like, as Jesus started out on the Sea of Galilee, there were other boats around his. The narrative gives us the position of Jesus in the boat. He was in the stern. Jesus is not just sleeping, but he's asleep on a cushion. These small, minor details are unnecessary to the story, but confirm that Mark wrote his gospel with the help of eyewitnesses, people who actually witnessed this glorious sight of Jesus calming the storm. And here's yet another point. You cannot explain away nature miracles. Nature miracles can never be mere accident or coincidence. And Jesus is clearly revealing his identity here as the Lord of nature and all of creation. And from this account, I want to point out three things that will help you to face this new year with great confidence. And in the process, we will also discover the power of our great Savior. Firstly, Christians are not promised an easy ride, but we are guaranteed a safe landing. Jesus had been teaching a large crowd of people all day. It was a long and strenuous day for Jesus and his disciples. And as they had come to the end of the day, the exhausted disciples were ready to hit the sack when Jesus comes to them and says, it's time to leave. Look at verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Let us go over to the other side. There were masses of people who were standing in the safety of the shore while Jesus called a select few to travel with him to the other side. Now, why did Jesus want to go to the other side? 
The other side in reference here is the Gerasene territory, a place where the Gentiles lived. This is a place that was taboo to the Jews. No Jew would ever want to go to the other side because they raised pigs in that place. The people who lived on the other side were seen as pagans. It was a forbidden territory. And Jesus was clearly calling his disciples to go out of their comfort zone and walk with him on a mission to the other side. A significant encounter was awaiting them. For as soon as they would step into the shore, they would be confronted by a man possessed with a legion of demons. Not only was this man's life transformed through this encounter, but he's commissioned as an evangelist to reach out to many more people for the kingdom. So Jesus clearly had a very specific task in mind when he commissioned his disciples to go to the other side. It was late in the evening when they were sailing in the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is actually a freshwater lake. It's a freshwater lake that is the lowest in the world, 600 feet below sea level. Now, I've never been to the Holy Land, but I do look forward to the day I get to go. And one of the significant things to see would be the Sea of Galilee. Because as you read the Gospels, it appears that Jesus centered his ministry around the Sea of Galilee. He spent much time in the shores of this lake, giving his teaching as well as healing people and casting evil spirits. This lake was about 13 miles long, 150 feet deep, and it was surrounded by mountains. And by virtue of its geographic location, the Sea of Galilee was susceptible to sudden violent storms. And when that happens, the waves can rise over 10 feet tall, and the lake would become treacherous. And that's what happened as Jesus and his disciples sailed that evening. Out of nowhere came this furious squall. The wind was blowing fiercely like a hurricane. And Mark is using descriptive and strong language to refer to the storm. The sea must have been foaming, the waves arose, and soon water started filling the boat. The disciples were expert fishermen. That was their livelihood. They had done this countless times. They knew the Sea of Galilee like the back of their hand. But these expert fishermen were panicking because this storm was one of a kind. Notice this. The disciples had followed Jesus' command to go to the other side. This was not their idea or invention. It was Jesus' idea. And they were merely complying with Jesus' plan to be on mission with him. So as they follow his prompting, should they not expect smooth sailing? Should they not hope for fair weather? Why would Jesus call them to go to the other side of the lake and allow a storm to interrupt the proceedings? It's because Jesus has not promised a storm-free ride, but he has guaranteed us a safe landing. 
in our personal lives, we experience all kinds of storms, financial storms, health challenges, stormy relationships, trials in parenting, death of loved ones, work-related anxieties. The list is endless. A storm is something that you cannot control. It's a crisis. You know, sometimes we bring a crisis upon ourselves when we are disobedient to God. And the purpose of the storm in that case is to get our attention so we can return back to Him. But there are other times in your life when you will face storms precisely because you are obeying God. You are following His path for your life. Just because you are in the center of God's will, it doesn't mean that your life will be storm-free. Some storms are intended to derail us from the path of following God. And that's exactly what's happening here in our passage. The disciples were embarking on a mission with Jesus to Gentile territory where they would bring the good news that will transform the lives of many people. And this storm was intended to hinder them from reaching the other side. Now, if there was any comfort for the disciples, it was the words of Jesus. Let us go to the other side. When we go through storms in our life, and to the best of our knowledge, we are walking with God, we are following Him in the path of obedience, then this is an assurance you can have as well. If Jesus had told you, let us go over to the other side, you will reach the other side. No storm has the power to stop you from accomplishing what God has in mind for your life. If God has spoken to you and He has given you a word, He is going to take you to the other side no matter what. For Jesus guarantees us a safe landing. So this new year, Determine with all your heart to follow the Lord's leading for your life. Aspire to be in the center of His will because it is the best place to be in the entire universe. And let this be the year to leave the safety of the shore and to go on mission with Jesus to the other side for He has great and exciting things in store for us. The storms may come, but we cling to the promises of God. As I look at my own life, every time I entered into a, a crucial juncture in my spiritual life, there was a storm brewing. It wasn't because I was disobedient to God. The reason I was encountering the storms were because I was walking in the path of obedience. But I can look back now and testify that through the storms, the Lord has carried me through. His promises have never failed, but has sustained me. And I can say without a shadow of doubt, the one who called me is faithful. And that is the Christian testimony. When you hear Christians saying, I came to faith in Jesus and my life became a bed of roses, you wonder which Jesus are they following. 
The Lord does not keep all storms at bay. But he is the captain of our boat. He knows how to navigate in tough seas. And he promises to take you safely to your destination. Secondly, the storms of life are not incompatible with his love. As the disciples were caught in this furious hurricane... The wind was blowing hard and water started entering into the boat. They were in grave danger. It was a life-threatening situation. These fishermen who were expert seafarers were panicking. What was the carpenter in the boat doing? He's in a state of hibernation. Who in their right mind will sleep through a storm? There's an imminent danger of the boat sinking. The wind was howling loud. The disciples were panicking. There's chaos and mayhem as the boat was being tossed around. And Jesus was fast asleep. Mind you, he had a long day of ministry, of teaching and healing people. He was so tired that he went off to sleep as soon as he got into the boat. You see the humanity of Jesus in display here. And I tell you, I can relate with that. When I preach here four times on a weekend, at the end of the four services, I wish I can get a massage. <laughs> you know, driving back home in my car, I feel like a zombie. So Jesus felt that way. He was drained after a long, hard day of ministry. But there was yet another reason why Jesus was asleep. It was because of his confidence and faith in his Father in the face of an impending danger. Jesus knew that the storms were not incompatible with his Father's love. And there was no need to be afraid of anything when you have the providential care of your Father. Look at Psalm 27, verses 1 to 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Now that is a powerful declaration of faith. See, fear is crippling. It's paralyzing. And fear wants to take us as prisoners. And people today are in bondage to fear. Our list of phobias only seems to be growing to the point our dictionaries cannot keep up. To dispel the darkness of fear, you need to know the Lord is your light and salvation. To keep the stronghold of fear away, the Lord needs to become the stronghold of your life. Jesus had this deep trust in God, an unwavering confidence that their boat was not at the mercy of the wind and the waves, but it was in the capable hands of his Abba Father. 
And that realization helped him to rest even in a storm. And it's that same realization that helps you to rest. There may be a storm brewing outside, but we are safe in the arms of our Father. The disciples on their part did not see this as an evidence of Jesus' faith. They saw this as apathy and indifference. Look at verse 38. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? It's a tone of rebuke. Teacher, don't you care we drown? Are you not concerned about us? How often are we guilty of making such statements? When we go through storms in life, we see that as a sign that God has deserted us. The storms of life are not incompatible with God's love. In fact, you can feel the depth of his love so much more in a storm. And there are times we go through a personal storm, a great crisis, and all hell seems to break loose. There's pandemonium and chaos, and God seems to be nowhere near. It appears Jesus is asleep. He's gone on a vacation, a long celestial holiday. What do you do in those times? It is only through the eyes of faith you can come to the conclusion that your personal suffering and the goodness of God are not incompatible. You know, after he calmed the storm, Jesus still never sympathized with the disciples' fears. Look at verse 40. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus, what do you mean? Why are you so afraid? What else would you do when you are going to drown in a storm? Fear is normative, isn't it? We have made fear normative. It doesn't have to be that way. The way to overcome fear is to replace your fears with a greater fear, the fear of God. Oswald Chambers put it this way, the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Amen to that. And that's why the hymn writer wrote, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. When you come to that place in life where you can say without any doubt, God is in control of my life, a byproduct of that is the wellness in your soul. It's priceless. The storms of life are not incompatible with God's love, for God cares for us and journeys with us through the storm. Lastly, 
the storms of life help us to discover the power of Jesus. The disciples had just experienced the worst storm, and they come to Jesus for help. I don't know what their expectations were. Maybe they wanted an extra hand to bail out the water from the boat. But they were not ready for what they were about to experience. Their human eyes was about to see a power that was infinite times greater than the storm. Jesus wakes up from his sleep, and look at what he does. Verse 39. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. When I visited the Niagara Falls for the very first time, it was a spectacular sight. When you hear the sound of rushing waters, you can feel the power of nature. It gives you goosebumps. It's breathtaking. Jesus was staring at the brute force of nature. The waves were pounding furiously, striking terror in the hearts of expert fishermen. The icy cold winds were just blowing across the lake, tossing the boat on the high seas. This is nature's fury at its worst. Who can stand against such power? And Jesus speaks to the wind and the waves like he's speaking to a child acting out. Quiet, be still. And lo and behold, the wind and the waves obeyed the voice of the Creator. This howling storm and strong winds instantly die down, as did the waves. And everything was completely calm. It was quiet and peaceful. <sighs> the water, as smooth as glass, you can see your reflection. No sign of any waves. Scientifically, even if the winds were to stop, normally the waves will keep pounding for hours afterwards. What happens here is millions of horsepower of wind force is halted, and millions of gallons of violent water is turned as placid as a lake. You can explain away all other miracles, like the demoniac had psychological issues, or Jairus' daughter was not really dead, she was in a state of coma. But you cannot explain away this miracle of the coming of the storm. I want us to notice the reaction of the disciples. This is fascinating. Look at verse 41. They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The disciples were initially afraid of the storm. But now, they were terrified. 
It's a greater fear. What's going on? See, the disciples were Jews. They were good students of the Old Testament. They know their Old Testament very well. And look at this set of verses from the Psalms. Psalm 65, 7 identifies God as the one who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves. In Psalm 89, 9, the psalmist ascribes this praise to Yahweh. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. Psalm 93, 4 asserts, Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. And Psalm 107, 29 claims of Yahweh, He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. When the disciples witness Jesus calming the storm, their response is not, hey, how cool this is that we have our buddy Jesus. He has these incredible powers. No. The disciples were disoriented. Their knees were wobbling. For they were confronted with the truth that the one in their boat was not a teacher. He wasn't a rabbi or a prophet. They were standing face to face before Yahweh, the living God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, the ruler of all nature was in the same boat with them. And that realization caused them to quake on the inside. And they asked this question. Who is this? Even in the wind and the waves obey him. That's a rhetorical question, but there's only one answer to that. God. Jesus is God, for God alone has power over the elements of nature. And they would not have come to this amazing realization but for the storm. One of the reasons God allows personal trials and challenges in our life is so we can get to see God like we've never seen Him before. The storms of life prove the strength of our anchor. They reveal the character of God. And in the midst of the trials, in the midst of your personal storm, you can come to this amazing realization that Yahweh, the great God and mighty Savior, is in the same boat of your life journeying with you through the storm. Now let that sink in your heart for a moment. There's a quote I read from an unknown source that says, sometimes God calms the storm. Sometimes he allows the storms to rage and calms his child. If you're going through a storm, or you're fearful of a potential storm that 2016 will bring, let Jesus calm you first. Let him fill you with his shalom. His perfect peace. At the age of 27, the great Dutch painter Rembrandt painted Christ in the storm on the Sea of Galilee based on our passage 
in Mark chapter 4. He painted this in the year 1633. Rembrandt was a man of faith. If you see the painting there on the screen, look at it. The painting is dark and shrouded in shadows, but a ray of light streams down to help us see what is going on in the boat. The small boat is threatened with destruction in a furious storm. And as the disciples struggle against the wind and waves, each of them have a different reaction in their face. Angry, fearful, lost, lonely, terrified. But Jesus is undisturbed. The most unusual aspect of the painting is the presence of a 13th disciple in the boat. Art experts say that resembles Rembrandt himself. It was a symbolic expression of his personal faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, there is no denying the fact that we are living in troubled times. There's chaos all around us in our world and in our lives. But there is one who stands undisturbed. His name is Jesus. Do you have him in the boat of your life? For that makes all the difference. We can enter into this new year with confidence because our mighty Savior is journeying with us in the same boat and He cares for you. You may ask, how do I know He cares? I don't know if you noticed it in the painting. In the middle of that painting by Rembrandt is the sign of the cross strategically placed, symbolically signifying that the cross ultimately calms all storms of life. For Jesus would come to the cross of Calvary to face the greatest storm of all, the fury of a God and his indignation against the sins of the whole world. This is the wrath of God. Pastor Tim Keller in his book, King's Cross, writes, Jesus was thrown into the only storm that can actually sink us, the storm of eternal justice of what we owe for our wrongdoing. That storm wasn't calmed, not until it swept Jesus away. You see that? God did not spare Jesus from any agony when he died a cruel death on the cross. That storm did not calm or subside, but Jesus bore the brunt of the wrath of God on the cross. And he paid the price for the sins of the entire world. Jesus willingly gave himself into that storm so that he can calm all other storms, still all other waves, and bring an end to all chaos in our universe. For on the cross, he will defeat Satan, disease, death. Every enemy of humanity will be utterly conquered. And through his death and his resurrection, he will establish himself as the mighty Savior. And again, Tim Keller writes, if the sight of Jesus 
bowing his head into the ultimate storm is burned into the core of your being, you will never say, God, don't you care? And if you know that he did not abandon you in that ultimate storm, what makes you think he would abandon you in the much smaller storms you're experiencing right now? Think about this. The mighty Savior stooped down so low to die naked on a cross to protect you, to shield you from the wrath of a holy God. If he would go that extent in order to shield you, why would he not save you from the little storms that you're going through today? Let that sink into the core of your being. You are loved and cared for by a mighty Savior who has the power to handle any challenge you and I may go through in 2016. If we put our hope in politics, economics, vocation, good health, and personal ambitions, I guarantee you, you will be disappointed. But if your hope is in the power of a living God, our mighty Savior, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, I assure you this, your defense is sure. I'm going to ask us to all stand up as we come to an end. I want us to put the picture of Rembrandt back again on the screen. There are many faces depicted in that picture. Fear, loneliness, despair, anger, disappointment, depression, there's even a person who's hanging on to dear life as the waves just keep pounding. There are a few who are trying hard by their own efforts to save themselves. Do any of these represent you today? I want to offer you the one who has the power to calm you on the inside. The wind and the waves still obey his voice. And he alone can bring stability and true security to your life. And what we need to do is to give control of our life over to him. We need to ask him to take the driver's seat. And we need to promise that we will follow his lead all through this year. Some of you here, you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ. And God is speaking to you today to open your heart, to receive this promise of a mighty Savior into your life. And when you do that, a great miracle takes place. You receive the gift of peace with God and peace with others. There's some of us who need to yield the control of our life to Jesus. You've been doing it your way for far too long. And this is a moment for you to say, Jesus, take control. And when he takes control, you can be secure.
going to give a moment of silence for us to respond to God, however way He is leading you. This is a holy moment. I believe God is hearing everything that is being spoken here. He's looking at every heart. So would you just close your eyes and just talk to God in the quietness of this moment, and I'll close this in prayer. Father, we want to make a declaration today that you are our help in ages past and our hope for years to come. Our life is meaningless without you. Without you, Jesus, our boat will be tossed around in the sea of life. But when we have you in the boat, we have an anchor that we can hold on to an anchor that is immovable. I pray for everyone who is reaching out to you right now in the midst of the storms, in the midst of their fears and anxieties. May they lay hold of the anchor that Jesus, you will be their very present help in time of need, that you will walk with them every step of the way in this journey of life that you will bring them safely to the other side just as you have promised us. We thank you, God. We are blessed to be your people. We do not have to face life's challenges alone. We have you by our side. What a blessing. We thank you, Jesus, for bearing the wrath of God on yourself, for giving yourself into that ultimate storm so today we can be at peace. I pray that throughout this year, we will experience your presence and you will draw us closer to your heart, that we will be sensitive to your heartbeat. We will be obedient to your promptings. And as a church, this year will be an amazing year of kingdom impact. Use us, Lord, in the midst of the chaos and confusion out there. May we bring the good news that brings lasting peace. Even as we leave this place, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of our Heavenly Father, and the sweet, unfailing fellowship of the Holy Spirit may rest and abide with each and every one of us, both now and forevermore. Amen. Well, there are prayer partners available who will be happy to pray with you. If you have committed your life to Christ today, we want you to come forward and talk to one of us. God bless you all. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter.